I think more brands are recognizing the importance of tone of voice, but I think the way a brand sounds is as impactful or more impactful than the way a brand looks. That's Daniela Hendler, the founder and director of Naughty Nancy, one of Australia's premier copywriting agencies. In this episode, we went deep into the process with this fellow agency founder, and I was really interested to hear what she had to say, basically in the importance of words in this video first and AI landscape that's dominating now. We go into things like what happens when the client doesn't like the work or wants to make changes beyond your comfort level. And is there an expiration date on the kinds of clients that we want to work with as creators? as we ourselves enter new life chapters. I had a very good sticky peek into the way that she organizes her day and her eight contractors and got a rapid fire on the tools that she uses to create memorable copy time and time again. Don't worry, all the links are in the show notes. It's very juicy. You don't need to write anything down. If you love this episode, please share it with a friend, put it on your Instagram stories or leave a review. This is the eighth episode. Wow, time flies. The eighth episode back into Process the Podcast and I would love to hear what you think. I want to take a moment to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land this podcast was recorded on, the Wurundjeri people, part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. Always was, always will be. Welcome to Process the Podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Thomas, motion director and founder of production company Cinema Tom, as well as recent social strategist. I can't wait to bring you into the world of some of my guests, Australia's most prolific creatives working in fashion, media and design, as we unpack their unique creative process. Let's dive in. Anyway, we haven't met, but this is so fun already. Okay, good. I I'm love glad. it. I'm glad you're having a good time. <laughs> I am too. Okay, so explain to me what your business is, Naughty Nancy. Okay, so Naughty Nancy is a copywriting agency. Mm -hmm. I started it a couple of years ago and was focusing on a combo of social media stuff and copy and I'm just obsessed with writing. So I've just naturally gravitated towards all the copywriting projects. So everything from email marketing copy, automations, website copy, packaging, taglines, tone of voice development, honestly anything that needs words, I will write. Epic. And I want to chat to you because... We're inundated with video first information, blah, 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 video, video, video. So much so that our mutual friend, Natasha, her first hire was a content creator, Jono, who's a video creator, which is crazy that that's her first hire. But I would love to chat to you firstly about the importance of words, I guess, in a brand's personality. And I just a tone of voice is super distinctive and I think often missed when brands are just getting started because they're so eager to just get out there and do all the things. So how – when a client comes to you, what's the process usually? So there's so much to unpack and I have so many thoughts. But the first thing I ask for is do you have branding? Do you have a brand strategy? Mm -hmm. Have you done tone of voice development? Have you invested in that or created it yourself? I think – when it comes to branding, the first thing people think of is a logo, a colour palette, mm -hmm. typography, the way something looks, which is so important, obviously, especially in today's day and age. The way a brand looks is enough to get a lot of people over the line. And I see that with myself even. Like sometimes I'll say beautiful branding and I'm like, sold. I'm totally buying yeah. that. <laughs> even if I'm like, I do not need it or I don't care um, or it's something I've never owned, branding will get me over the line. But something that I think in the way a brand looks and I mean, I feel like I shouldn't name certain brands, but there are brands that their branding's like pretty average, that you have like one colour, one font, pretty simple, there's nothing that stands out about mm. it. But we remember them because of the way they speak, because of the, you know, their taglines, the copy on their packaging, the copy on their websites, mm. um, the copy on their email marketing, like something as simple as their unsubscribe button, like if you don't want to see these emails anymore, click here to unsubscribe. Yeah. Just like the funny, cute things that ensure they stand out and they're not like anyone else. And I think... I mean, I, I'm going to give you an example. Yeah. Go to skincare, I think, is yes. a perfect example because their branding is amazing. We know who they are because of their copy and because of their tone of voice, not because we love their peachy branding because there's nothing that crazy stunning about mm -hmm. it. Um, but the tone of voice is like one of my favourites. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're in a clique with the besties. Totally. Um, and I think, I think where brands do really well with tone of voice is – they have completely humanised their brand through the way they speak. So mm -hmm. it sounds like you're reading copy from a human. It sounds like the same person is writing absolutely everything. Um, 
their words feel relatable and real. And I think I think that that's part of why video content is so impactful and why that is what a lot of brands are investing in because it's a way for viewers, consumers, customers to interact with a brand, relate to a brand and I guess enjoy storytelling a little more. So yeah. So I think that, yeah, yeah, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. So when you're developing tone of voice, where do you start? So I start by oh, – I have some funny processes actually. <laughs> but firstly, I, I send a client a quiz mm-hmm. and I ask them a whole lot of questions, some that seem really relevant to them and some that is they're like, a quiz what or like the hell? just a questionnaire? Um, a quiz is so fun. Yeah, it's like a, I would say it's a quiz. <laughs> there are multiple choice questions. Okay. Um, there are scales. Um, I ask them things like – so it's kind of like a pop quiz at certain yeah. points. But um, I ask them things that are like what is the name of your brand? What does it mean? Right. What is your mission? What are your values? All the really like obvious boring stuff that they probably expect. Mm-hmm. It's not boring but it's, it's important but it's not the stuff that I find the most fun. Mm-hmm. And then I ask them to describe their customer – in a way that's probably a little bit different to developing a persona. So I ask them, what would your um, target audience eat on the weekend? What would they drink on Mm -hmm. the weekend? Um, What do they do on a weekday? What do they do after work? And that allows me to kind of see the type of person they want to be speaking to and to develop a Mm -hmm. tone of voice that will speak directly to those people. Um, So, yeah, I ask them all those questions and I ask to see their branding and I like to see if they match. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes they'll send me branding that's like, you know, very formal. Like I've recently been working with a client whose branding is like very grayscale and they told me they wanted to be super inclusive for new mums, really soft, really gentle. And I was like, hmm, that doesn't really lie. No. (laughs) So I learned a lot about a brand and it also obviously encourages them to shift what they're doing with their actual branding to make sure everything kind of aligns, like the way they want to speak and the way they want to come across visually to their audience. So I ask them a whole lot of questions on this Mm. very juicy questionnaire. And then after that, I do a huge brain dump. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of word association, Mm -hmm. which is probably the most fun part. So for example, I've recently um, written email marketing copy in a VIP program for Sunday Body. Mm -hmm. They're like a body wash brand. Um, Yeah, they're like a whipped, they're a whipped body foam. Okay. Yeah. So they do body wash and it's actually really fun, really addictive to use. Um, And for them they're a really fun word association one because obviously I've got like a shower to play with and water and they like being cheeky and all of their like body wash foams are like fruity flavors like pomegranate or they've got vanilla. Mm. So I literally write down a word like shower and then I do a whole lot of word association. So that could be, you know, bubbles, splash, um, cherry on top because one of their flavors is cherry. So I start thinking of phrases and words that I associate with the brand and with mm-hmm. their ingredients or with their products right. that aligns with who they are. So they want to have fun. So I had a lot of fun with it. There are also some really good websites where you can do word association. If you literally Google like word association shower, you can find uh-huh. websites where you can search words and they'll help you, which is really, really good, really helpful, really good hack. Just Amazing. by the way, <laughs> it doesn't do everything, but it's a good starting point if you feel like you can't really concentrate or you don't know where to start. So I do that Mm -hmm. and then I take their values, their mission, the word association and I create everything from taglines to an about. Um, I flesh out their mission and I weave all those words I've used, I've found through word association throughout all of the copy, throughout their tone of voice. Um, I create lists of who they are and who they aren't based on their... Mm -hmm. their Like we say this, we don't say that. Exactly, we say this, we don't say that. Um, so that's kind of like an identity in it, the tone of voice. It's right, completely right. an identity. Mm. Like I would 100% say it's an identity. It's literally the same as branding except it's your words. It's not, you know, the right. visuals. Um, so it can be really, really important. And I find that when a client comes to me and they want website copy but they don't have tone of voice developed, mm. it can be really difficult to understand who the brand mm. actually is because you're literally just talking to the business owner who seems to think they know everything about their brand but there's a lot of contradiction with what they'll, you know, write in their quiz and then like the feedback they'll give on copy. So I find that when there's tone of voice, everyone kind of knows what's going on and it's used as a Bible where 
anyone can pick it up and sound exactly like the brand if they're a good copywriter, obviously. <laughs> but it <laughs> makes it easier. For, even, even if people are not good copywriters, it still makes it easier. Have you ever encountered something where people don't like what you've written? Yes. What happens? Um, I get really sad, firstly. <laughs> I w- I'm keen to explore this from a more... As a contractor or as a freelancer, which I am also in the video space, to your words, we're using our imagination to pay the rent. Mm -hmm. And that's a very tricky beast, especially when someone doesn't like what we've done. Mm -hmm. It does happen. Um, I hate it. And there are times where, like, I'll have a client who doesn't like what I've done or I have, like, about eight contractors who work for me and they don't like what a contractor's done even though I think the work's, like brilliant yeah (laughs) and on those days I think to myself I wish I just like studied something where people couldn't have an opinion on what I did like I'd either be right or wrong like if I was an accountant that'd be so good because like you just have to do what you're supposed to do whereas like Mm -hmm. creative and sometimes when people explain what they want or they give you feedback what they're explaining isn't necessarily what they want so we can interpret it in any way but it might not be exactly what they meant because we can't read their minds Mm -hmm. so I find it hard um generally like my clients are pretty good and I one thing that I do is that I I send every new client a welcome pack when they come on board with Naughty Nancy and one of the slides in that welcome pack says we're like creative and we want you to hand everything over to us and we know it's really hard and I know it's really hard like I've handed Mm. stuff over to other creatives and I try really hard not to you know say oh it's not exactly what I wanted um but I say to them like have trust in us I promise you we know what we're doing and Mm. We're going to work with you to make this absolutely perfect, but I specify that to trust us. Um, there's probably only been one client who hasn't liked a project to the extent that she was like, let's just not do this. But mm. she, her brand was a new brand and she didn't want to invest in like tone of voice development or in branding and everything was right. – she didn't have a background in it. So I like to think that – like – it was her, but maybe it was me. That that yeah, that that scenario was a lack yeah. of, um, I guess, awareness of how these things work. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, there are there are plenty of clients who don't like stuff, but I sometimes it just takes a few extra rounds of edits. Yeah. Sometimes it gets to a point where I see their name in my inbox, and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> what's this gonna be? <laughs> Can I log off? <laughs> um. But yeah, no, nah, it just it just happens, and I I really struggle with not with people not liking my work. Um, but it's just all part of it. I don't know. I speak to other creative people all the time, and we all experience it. And I just keep telling myself it's fine. Everyone experiences it. It's a creative thing. Mm. It just is what it is. But yeah, sometimes things just take way more edits than I've allowed for, or yeah. that was in their contract. Are you generous in that sense? Yes, but it depends. Like if they're not nice to me. <laughs> Yeah, and it's different. Like, just be a nice person. I'm happy to give you more edits than what I've told you. I'll give <laughs> you. It's fine. Ah, that's such a classic. Sometimes people can just be rude, but and you're like, you don't get any more than the contract yeah, like, stated. Sorry, you, you get two revisions. <laughs> yeah, it's also hard because when you know what you're doing and you know what's going to convert. Like, a spe- I say this mm. especially with email marketing where clients will come. I have like an email marketing partner who she's like a clavio genius, and mm-hmm. I do copy. So is she one of your eight contractors that you can kind of loop in? Separate. Okay, right. So she works for herself. Okay. Um, and, yeah, all the contractors are copywriters. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so we've worked together on a range of clients and where we really struggle is when a new client comes to us and they say, I want this specific package. We have three packages and they're like set in stone packages. So we don't adjust them because they're strategic. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like copywriting where you can like say, oh, yeah. we can do like five product descriptions and like an about page. Um, and people will like argue with us over like, oh, I want this flow instead of that flow or can you please put in that email instead of that email and it's like, well, no, we have to do this in this way or you're not going to see results. Like we promise you this is going to work if you listen. Yeah, of course. Um, And that's when it's hard or if people have feedback and you're like, oh, it's just not, it's not right for your audience or it's not right for the platform or yeah, like that word is too serious for your tone of voice. Do you find yourself doing it anyway? occasionally sometimes I I try and push back now because I found that when I didn't push back and I just did exactly what everyone wanted I wasn't proud of my work a hundred percent um so I feel better about even though I feel so I hate like I am not a confrontational person Mm. I hate it but I know that if I don't tell someone this doesn't feel a hundred percent right and here's why then the project will be finished 
and I will not want to show anyone. Mm. I will feel embarrassed to show people because I won't be proud. Even if it's one word, like it sounds ridiculous, but I'm a copywriter. Every word matters. There's a beautiful thing in the video space called a director's cut. Mm. Yes. <laughs> like they definitely do care, but I think it's kind of just mm. the integrity of everyone has to kind of respect that we're all in our own lane doing the work and totally. and we won't agree, but we've delivered that if you let me do this kind of thing. Yeah, and I feel like it's important in order for people to trust you, yeah. for you to say, no, actually, this is the way it should be done and here's why. It builds trust. Like yeah. your clients or your colleagues start to think she knows what she's doing and especially if you do know what you're doing and then the results show that, mm. they're more likely to give you that I guess, freedom Mm. in the long run. Like I've seen that with one client in particular who was in the food space and at first their founder was very like picky and I thought, oh my God, this is going to be a nightmare, (laughs) red flag. And I started like standing up for myself and saying, no, actually like this isn't right because of this. And they step back and they're seeing amazing results. So they've completely said, okay, you know what? You're right. Like, we trust yeah, you, wow. just take it. They barely review any of the work now and it's just amazing how much has changed. I think it's. I just think it's important to stand up for yourself because otherwise you're never going to be proud of what you're putting out there. Like yeah. we're not assistants. We're mm. hired because we're, we're, we know what we're doing in this space. Yes. So, yeah, I just have to remind them that sometimes. That's a myself. very good point that we're not assistants. Yeah. I love that. Where do you reach creative capacity when you're doing copywriting or do you find that you just have as many contractors as it takes and they're all vetted and hand chosen by you so business come and bring it yes so that's exactly that's it I have yeah a bunch of contractors there are probably eight who I use on rotation Mm -hmm. regularly like every single month they've got projects that they're working on Mm -hmm. um some of our clients are like retainer clients so some of them are working on similar projects every single month for clients some are project-based if a specific copywriter is not available to do a project because they're at capacity, because I obviously work on a whole bunch of other projects every mm-hmm. single month, um, but I think that they're so perfectly suited for the, to this client and I personally don't have the capacity to take the client on or I don't think I'm necessarily the best person to take them on, mm-hmm. then I'll tell the client we can start on a diff- in a different month. Um, and I often find that they're totally fine with that. So, I yeah, we only really hit capacity when... I know that certain contractors are not available to do it at the time that the client wants it. But people are often pretty chill about it. I also find that the contractors who work on certain clients regularly are happy to put other things on pause Mm -hmm. to get certain projects done, especially if they know that they work really well with the client and it is a good project. It's a good fit. How do you – I've got two parts. There's two parts to the question. You're obviously in the business – um as a creative providing what you do and then you're also managing other creatives how do you find that balance in what sense if I'm working on a job and I'm in post-production or for example if I've got a half day on set and then I've got to send emails for the rest of the afternoon they're very different skill sets And I thrive in one element and then I sort of have to like totally switch my brain over to be able to pick up the production side of my brain to smash out emails, manage other people's creative that we're delivering to the same client and all that. Like that is a very specific skill set and often really hard to do because not only are you just managing people, you're managing them at an investment level of emotion and creativity that is so much more intense than just being a manager because you've also got your fingers in that pie. Mm-hmm. So do you, are, you, it, are you switching in your brain or are you just sort of juggling and you're in it and it's happening? I actually love the people side of things. Like mm-hmm. that's probably one of my favourite parts of running this business is – like working with the other creatives or reviewing their work or giving them feedback. Like I love it. I What I do is I divide my day into two or three, depending on the day of the week. Are you blocking? Yes. Time blocking, yeah. That's, that's what it's called, time blocking, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I start my day with either reviewing work, managing projects, mm-hmm. admin in relation to these freelancers, contractors, and I end my day as well by doing mm-hmm. that if it's a day that requires it. So today, for example, I have two contractors who have projects due 
by 5 p.m. today. Mm -hmm. So I will spend the very last chunk of today organising all of that and preparing everything so I can review it first thing tomorrow morning, review both their projects tomorrow morning. So that's how I do it. I can't switch between things, especially when it comes to creative stuff, like really easily because every client is different and I'll sometimes like be you know, reviewing content in relation to a rapid antigen test and then <laughs> writing, like, captions for a croissant company. So it's, like, it's, it's like it's too different. Like, I can't do it. Like, I need a proper break. So I need to divide my day up. That's, right. that's what I cleanse. do. Yeah, exactly. And I divide it by, like, going for a walk or something or, like, eating. And the playlists. And the playlists. What's, the, what's on the rapid antigen playlist? I don't have one for them. Cleaning? Like, squeaky clean? Like, or, like, um, like what's a song that's, like, antibacterial? like I actually think that you'd be surprised by some of the like songs I have on playlists but no it would be something like quite hardcore I think if I did have one for them (laughs) like like something really heavy and like like I don't know yeah because they don't speak really like what's that song that's like we are the world (laughs) or like a hymn or like something that's like imagine all the people or even like death metal oh yeah okay that makes me sound really hectic but like their their copies like really serious. I was going from like they're trying to like save the world. Yeah, no, but their tone is like very serious. B to B. I can't Death explain metal. my like why I would pick that, but yeah, if whatever helps you get in the zone, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, um, yeah, time blocking is really really important, and I think calendar management is a hidden piece that creatives don't necessarily think that they need in their skill set like things fly into Mm -hmm. our inboxes and Mm -hmm. being the owners of businesses every email matters to me and I have an issue with my past and I'm a people pleaser so I'm now learning that's okay to get back to that person in three hours time or even tomorrow because they don't have a chokehold on my inbox I can do this in my own time but how did you learn calendar management so I also have, like, struggles with my inbox. I get really nervous if I'm, like, away from my computer for, like, an hour. I freak out. I'm like, oh, my God. I have to remind myself I'm not a doctor. Like, no one is yeah. going to die if I get back to them an hour later. Like, they are going to be fine. Mm. I actually – I honestly learned a while ago mm. at one of the agencies I was working at where they were just so amazing with organisation and they would – they used Asana for mm. organising all their tasks. I still – my Asana board is set up the exact same way as the way it was set up at this agency. Right. It was just amazing. And I literally block out chunks of time in my calendar almost every day for the projects I'm working on, unless it's like yeah. a super quick, like if I've got like one EDM to write or something, I mm-hmm. don't block that out because I know that won't take me very long and I can just do that. But if I know I'm working on like 30 emails for like automations, something like that, mm-hmm. that will take me a couple of days, I will block out full days and I will actually exit out of my inbox. I don't even put an out of office on, which kills me a bit inside. But the, gra- the graphic designer I work with a lot t- told me she doesn't put an out of office on because then, like, people go, "Oh my gosh, it's not there," and then they mm. freak out and then they call you. Right. So, um, yeah, I'll literally block out big chunks of time in my calendar as well as having my Asana mm-hmm. organized like that. So, yeah, I learned it at that agency, um, and it's still, yeah, it's something that I definitely struggle with because obviously things pop up all the time. But I keep telling myself like just relax like you Mm. need to focus on this specific project today because it's due by this date or this like campaign is going live on this date like it needs to get done today Mm. these other things are actually not urgent and if they are urgent I know it's up to me to tell that client I can't do that today yeah so I'm trying to be like stricter or stricter on myself um with that I'm not perfect at it but yeah blocking time out is important I've learned the art of telling somebody that I'm at capacity. Mm-hmm. And I think I've sent an I'm at capacity email about 20 times this year already. And the more I do it, the better it gets. Yeah. But sending that and using the word I'm at capacity is so foreign to me because I love... So. I have that thing where people are taking a chance on my creativity mm-hmm. and they're investing in my business, which my imposter syndrome is like, oh, yep. we just made this video up. Like, why do you like it so much? I'm like, I just live in my <laughs> this brain. This came out of nowhere. Like, do you get <laughs> Literally, that? Literally, I made that yeah. shot list up. Poof, oh my God, it's in my head. So mm-hmm. my imagination, I have an interesting relationship validating that someone would pay me for that anyway. Yeah, I feel that all the time. <laughs> yes. Mm, all the time. And... When they are and I can't deliver it immediately, I have a hard time with that. So um, that's something I'm grappling with. But 
it's getting there. Yeah. What other tools do you use? So there's Asana. Like as a video creator, we've got our top 10, which I'm sure I'll do a podcast episode on eventually. But what do copywriters use? So, yeah, obviously Asana. Um, one quick fact that I'll put in mm-hmm. in relation to what you just asked me mm-hmm. is that I schedule most of my email responses. Oh. So I often, because I don't like having things sitting in my inbox. Yeah, nice. It like really stresses me out. Don't know why. Like even if I just need a reply, thanks. <laughs> I'm like, no, I need, to, I need to get this out. I clear out my inbox. Like I have to move things. So why can't you send that immediately? Because sometimes I worry that someone's going to respond straight away and oh. emails are such a big distraction and knowing that I'm aw- like maybe exiting out of my emails or I'm not going to be able to reply to them because I need to work on something else or I'm going to get distracted. Wow. So I schedule pretty much everything, even if it's only like for 15 minutes later because I feel like mm. I'm like things are not happening like right straight away I, I think that's psychological that's really interesting like I don't like that's a psychological thing that doesn't really make much sense but no, I get it or I'll schedule for like in an hour or I'll respond to an email at 8am and schedule it to be sent the next morning at 8am especially if like yeah yeah I know that someone will reply really quickly and I need to work on another project okay I'll schedule it I d- I'm just like, t- I'm a classic, I'll email somebody at night and be like, I don't want them to think I'm a psychopath. Yeah, so, so I same. schedule send, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, like I do that as well, yeah. or like on the weekend, because I don't want people to think that I'm available on weekends. <laughs> the apps that you stay organised with, we have Asana. Mm-hmm. What else do you use? Um, I use Google Docs for literally everything. The annotation there is fire, isn't it? Like you actually can't compare it. There are other copywriters who use Dropbox. Paper? Paper, yeah. yes, that's what it is. I don't love it. I just Google Docs is amazing. Mm. Firstly, niche thing that I love about it, you can make your paper like like doesn't have an end, so you just keep keep yes. scrolling. I don't know. I think they call it like pageless or something. Mm. Love that because it means that you can write big chunks of text without breaking things up. And I find copy very visual, so I don't like people to be reading a, like clients to be reading a sentence and then they have to yes. scroll to the next page. I feel like you lose your flow. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Also in terms of like suggesting suggested mode, I don't know if you've used that, mm-hmm. but it means that I can go and edit a contractor's work. They'll get notified that I've edited it without deleting what they've done. Yes. So they can see that there's like a line cross through yeah. like one of the words. I've used that. Mm. Yeah. So things like that, which I love and I get clients to do that as well. So if they have suggestions or edits, I say don't remove things because mm-hmm. um, it's really hard for us. I mean, you can obviously look at the history of the document, but it's yeah. not the same as just being able to go through and see everything really clearly. So I love that. Also for comments, I mm-hmm. generally – I sometimes think emails are so unnecessary <laughs> and I think that like if a client has feedback on a specific paragraph, they don't need to send me an email and like copy and paste the paragraph and then like explain to me why that paragraph mm. is not 100%. So instead like highlight it on the doc and tag mm. me in it and then I'll just be notified that there's a comment on the doc and I just find yeah. that it's better in terms of admin. Like I don't have to read all these emails and – yeah, I, I much prefer it. So Google Docs is my go-to. Um, I use phrases.org.uk, I think, oh. for my word association phrases. Cool. Um, is that a membership? No, nah, free. Okay, free, amazing. Free. I'm all about that free life. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. As I said, like it doesn't do everything and you have to be really like particular with what you're asking it to give you. So you can mm-hmm. ask for phrases in relation to the word that you're putting in there, like Apple or like mm. – um, you can ask for phrases that have the word in the phrase. Right, okay. Um, so it can give you both, but you have to be really specific with what you're asking. But it can be really good and it can be really good at like prompting new ideas. So yeah. I love it. There's also idiom – I have these all bookmarked on my computer, so now you're asking me what like they are. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't remember. Um, the idiom thesaurus, mm-hmm. idiom dictionary, also I think a UK website, you can just Google it and there are probably heaps that are Mm. this. Um, But same thing, I use it for word association as well. Mm -hmm. Those I am obsessed with. Um, I'd say those are probably my, yeah, I use those, I would say, every day. Mm. Love that. Yeah, watch me like leave this podcast and be like, oh my God, here are another 23 (laughs) that I use all the time and I left out my favourite one. What do you guys do for visual identities? Do you create them on Google Slides or are you on Canva or are you on Illustrator? Canva. Yeah. Illustrator, sometimes just, I don't know, Canva's really easy. Like it's actually really easy. We're not graphic designers. So Mm. like 
generally we're being given branding and I'm a creative person. Like I can make the branding work. It's fine. Yeah. Like I know how to do that. So it's okay. So I find Canva really easy. It's also really good for text. Like they're doing such good stuff for copy on Canva. So mm-hmm. it's becoming better and better. Um, I write everything on a Google Doc first though. Yeah, right. And then I'll put it in there. But yeah, visual, yeah, Canva for all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I sometimes will use Figma. Oh, yeah. But once again, like Canva's just so easy and I'm mm. not a graphic designer, so I don't really need to impress. Mm. Um, but True. yeah. And when we work on brand strategy or like branding, there are graphic designers that we yes. contract to or who are yeah. partner agencies and they do all the fan- really fancy stuff. They're in Adobe. So talk to me about how you're feeling about chat GPT. Such a great question. <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone that doesn't know what chat chat gpt is it is that ai open ai platform i think they're starting to bill for it in june they basically took the drug dealers method here where they gave it out Mm -hmm. for free for a little bit got you hooked and now i think it's 41 dollars a month or something that feels that feels kind of reasonable i think it's okay i fear for you and your mm. industry. But Thank then again, you. I also don't because the people I I iPhones I fear for my industry mm-hmm. because everyone's a fucking creator. Yeah. So well that's exactly the same it. thing. That's like a really good way of looking at it. Mm. I mean, I think ChatGPT is amazing. I'm scared of it. Not <laughs> necessarily in the copywriting space, but I'm like, if this is the way the world's going, are our brains gonna stop working one day because we don't ever have to do anything for ourselves? Like that freaks yeah. me out, but that's something I should probably unpack in my own time. But um <laughs> I I think it's amazing. I think it's a really efficient way to write copy. Do I think it is a really great way to differentiate from other people in your industry? Absolutely not. Yeah. I think that I mean, at the moment it's obviously not super developed. So you can tell when something's been written by Chat GBT. I I personally can. Mm. Um, I have a friend who wrote his birthday, a birthday speech off ChatGPT. <gasps> and at first everyone was like, oh, it's a bit serious. And then eventually everyone kind of caught on to the fact that it was written by ChatGPT. So I think you can tell when something's been written by it. <laughs> I think yeah. that'll change over time. It'll become more emotive. But at the end of the day, it's not a human brain. Like we don't understand our own brains or our own creativity enough to completely clone ourselves. Yeah. And I think that if everyone is using it, it's going to lose its impact, especially in the copywriting space. Mm. I think oh, there are so many reasons you could use ChatGPT. Like you could use it for SEO, like blog posts for SEO. I think that would be amazing. Mm. But, you know, if everyone's using it for SEO copywriting – it's going to be harder and harder to be seen on search engines. Mm. So you're not really doing yourself any favours by using it because it's going to be harder to succeed in the spaces you're trying to use it for. Mm. Oh, I just don't think you can really compete with really good creativity. I don't think like robots can do that yet. And I just think it's it feels really obvious when something has been written through chat GPT. Yeah. But again, it's kind of amazing. And I think it's like, serves a purpose especially for like things that involve a lot of research yes I've been using it for that I've been using it as a launch pad on the days that I am needing two coffees to start the day like I had it write a script for Kmart of three ways for you because we're looking into the YouTube space and basically I wanted it to kick off make over your living room Mm. and it was I've written a script for Kmart in the past that is exactly the same and I've taken a day to write it and Mm. build them a day to write that. This regurgitated a very, very similar script in 50 seconds flat. That's amazing. But I also thought to myself, hang on, there's actually a transcription of the original script that I wrote online. So does the AI, has the AI just gone in, found that in a rapid speed and then used it and given it back to me with a cut and pulled from a couple of other sources because it was it was near perfect and I think definitely the points that it gave me like for example using a big rug makes a small space feel bigger those points are all incredibly valid so giving those to an MC or whoever's in front of the camera and saying great we're going to talk about that as a dot point it's unbelievable yeah it's a great way to collect information in general I don't think it's can inject tone of voice properly yet yes yet you know like that could change it's also Mm. interesting like I have a client who there are three of us who write 20 blog posts for them per month SEO blog posts Mm -hmm. it's a lot of blog posts Mm. and I've actually spoken to them about chat GPT um and they don't trust it they don't trust it especially because they are in the will writing space 
So there's a lot of legal stuff that Mm. needs to be checked and that we need to properly look into before we write articles. Mm. Not that I know anything about anything legal. Um, (laughs) But everything, we have to be really careful with how we're writing things. So they just think, see it as like a waste of time for them because you'd, you could ask ChatGPT to write something for you, but you don't necessarily know if what it's giving you is accurate. Mm. Um, and that's something that a lot of people are finding is that some of the information is just not accurate. So you wouldn't rely on it necessarily to write, you know, yeah. articles, yeah. blog posts. I just, yeah, I think in, especially like in terms of taglines and everything, I just mm. don't find that it's it's not as creative. Mm. It's not as good. And where's the information coming from? Like has someone else used that before? Don't 100%. Know. And if someone else puts the same brief into it, what's what's happening? Not sure. Yeah, I think the same brief and – you you can really imagine a lifestyle brands, uh, furniture products, all that. Like you've got juniors around the world being like, create a blog post inspiring four different ways to light your bedroom, and mm-hmm. and then twenty businesses in every city are putting that out. Jesus. Yeah, it's in- it's an interesting yeah. one. Although I would have loved it when I was in year twelve. <laughs> well, like, they've banned it. They've banned it in school. Oh, have they? They've mm. actually. I mean, good. That would have been a game changer. Like you didn't wouldn't have to read any of the year twelve books 100%. and just get it to tell you what happened. A hundred percent. I mean, like Spark uh, Notes. Yes, like Spark Notes, but, but like better. so much better. Just write the whole essay for me. Furthermore, this, this, this. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, like it's amazing. So true. So when you're absorbing creativity, or when you're kind of starting a new job, or maybe just in day to day life, and you feel like you need an injection of creativity, where are you getting it? So I do this funny thing, and everyone here at this co working space laughs at me. The people who sit in my area, because I can't be creative if I'm sitting in the same place every day. Right. So I move around a lot. Like I cannot sit at the same desk in the same spot. I start every day pretty much sitting somewhere new and I always end up back at my desk, Mm. but I start the day sitting somewhere different. I listen to music that is that is a similar theme to the client I'm working Uh with. So I do that before, sometimes on my way to work, if I know I've got like a massive copy project I'm working on that day and spending the whole day on it. I will create a playlist for each client. They don't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And some of the songs are like pretty hilarious, but I will listen to it on my way to work in the car. If I go for a walk before work, sometimes if I just really don't like feel out of it, I'll go get a coffee, listen to the playlist. I read through their websites so I can feel like I can step into their shoes. Mm-hmm. I avoid competitors at all costs. Like I will not look mm-hmm. at their competitors' websites because that destroys my creativity. Like I actually can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also sometimes create mood boards as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. So just like visual. Yeah, exactly. Visual. Um, that's probably one of the weirder things I do cause it's literally just involves like looking at things. Mm. So I don't know, but, um, yeah, the music is a big one and not sitting in the same place. In a world where video and visuals and these apps that we're depending on consistently are essentially they're not wordless because we do have captions obviously there's supers that go over the top of these videos and all that words are the oldest thing that we have psychologically how do you kind of work on making sure that things land for the human race when we're so overstimulated if you're a brand who's not creating video content what are you doing firstly <laughs> like what Thank are you, you doing, doing my job for me then. yeah no no worries <laughs> call me anytime um no but seriously what are you doing like it is so important and we know it's important even if you're not particularly interested in the content, moving content on a screen is enough to get you to stop a scroll. Like it's engaging in its Mm. nature. Um, I think a big reason why we love video content is because it it does humanise a brand. Mm. It's relatable if we're properly engaging with it and we're watching video content and we're enjoying the content. It's because the brand... I'm gonna. I'm using brands as an example, but I know Netflix and there are so many other ways to watch video content. Mm. But um. It's because the brand's creating this content to tell them a story and to be relatable like to their audience. And I think that copy can play the exact same role if you are writing copy that feels really human um, and really engaging. And I think that like a really good way to enjoy your copies, you know, having that impact is to ask yourself questions like, what are my values? Like, what would my target audience be doing on the weekend? Mm. While video content's amazing and we love it like I'm obsessed I spend all my free time scrolling TikTok and Instagram reels Mm. it can't be everything like it actually just can't we can't have a whole website that's all video content there needs to be words everywhere when we're delivering Mm. products to customers we can't have everything 
in video form and a real good way to stand out is to make sure that your words do the same thing as that video content so that you're speaking in a way that's really relatable, that feels really human, that feels entertaining. You're not just writing these like bland black and white words Mm. that say like we make pillows, like you have a really fun way of writing because that's the only way you're going to really engage people through your words. So in your offering, you also do brand strategy. Mm-hmm. Tone of voice is obviously in the brand strategy. Correct. But talk us through the steps of how you develop a brand strategy. Cool. So when it comes to brand strategy, I sent another one of my juicy, really fun quizzes. Um, <laughs> I love them. I want to do one. Just yeah, do you want to just send you one just <laughs> for fun? Like, just please answer this for no reason. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I send them one of the big juicy quizzes, but I ask them a whole lot of other questions as well. So what's really important, the way – so the way we see – brand strategy when I say we it's me and also the graphic designers we work with we we create a brand strategy that's both a combination of branding tone of voice and then like I guess the best way to explain this is literally everything you'd need to write a pitch deck right to someone you'd partner with or I don't know if you're going on a podcast and something like that kind of mm-hmm. what you sent me before this okay. <laughs> kind of that combined with everything else um so yeah it's literally it's like the chunkiest document mm-hmm. I think it almost ends up being like 50 or 60 pages oh. um the yeah so we started by sending a quiz and getting a client to answer everything I then will jump on a call with the client and go through their quiz with them and mm-hmm. hear I'll often like write little comments on the Google Doc to ask some questions about things to make sure I fully understand exactly who they are because when you're creating a brand strategy, you really need to step into the shoes mm-hmm. of your own brand or someone else's brand. Um, and I like to hear from the client's voice themselves, um, you know, everything there is to know about their brand because I feel like sometimes the way you write about your own brand and the way you talk about it is really 100%. different. Like you write about it and you feel like you have to be like really serious and really succinct, but that's not the way people necessarily <laughs> talk. And I think... Your brand needs to be a reflection of you. And I think that's the strongest brand you can possibly create is if you're the person behind it to make it like your personality but amplified. That's mm. that's how I think those are like the most successful brands. And I find that the work, work with our clients is the best when we're working with the business owner and their personality. Mm-hmm. So we ask them a bunch of questions and then we literally map out everything from who they are, why they exist um, their values, their mission, their goals, their niche. So, mm-hmm. you know, what actually makes them what, – what's their special source? Um, we break down their audience, which is often answered in their funny questions about, like, what mm-hmm. they do on the weekend and, like, what they eat and all that sort of stuff. Break down their audience and their pain points as well, their values. Um, we, look, we do look at competitors, even though I don't love looking at competitors and I personally think there's space in every industry for everyone. You've just got to be very good at what you do mm. and you'll be fine. There are heaps of copywriters out there, but somehow we still have clients. So, I mean, <laughs> see, there's space for everyone. <laughs> it's mine. Um, so, yeah, we break down their audience as well. Um, you can get some really good like audience persona templates on literally Google Images. I think even mm. Canva has some and create mm. a persona for your own um, customer and then create a whole bunch of other questions for your, like for yourself that you could pretend that you're asking yeah, a customer like the avatar right yeah exactly exactly um we then do a whole lot of word association to create like who we are who we aren't which is like we are approachable these are just such mm-hmm. simple words um we are not sarcastic we are this we are mm-hmm. not that and then we develop tone of voice mm-hmm. um which is like a bit more on that um, give examples of the way they write for certain things. So we sometimes oh. find that the way you'd write for the way you'd write on an email would be a little bit different to the way you'd write on like a postcard thing that you put in your package that you mm-hmm. send to your to your customers. Um, so we give examples of copy for things like that. Mm-hmm. But probably the biggest part of it is you know the mission, the pain points of your customers, your goals, why you're changing your industry or the world. If you want to mm-hmm. be like super dramatic, um, <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty much a breakdown of all of that. And it's really, really chunky. And I think that, uh, as I said as well earlier, like the brands that come to us that don't have a tone of voice, branding or brand strategy, when they come to us with a brand strategy, we're like, oh my God, we love you. You're immediately our favourite client. Like you're a legend because it's a game changer. Um, And when there's a really good brand strategy in place, you can really hand that over to anyone and say, create this content Mm. or um, write this caption, write this email, write the copy that's going on our bo- on the inside of our boxes, yeah, um, on the postcards. Day. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it looks like the same person has written everything. And once again, 
when it feels like one person's writing everything, yeah. it feels like you're connecting to the brand. Um, they feel relatable. They feel human. You feel like you know them because it all sounds the same. So, yeah, it's really, really important. And we, I find that when a client comes to us that's growing, that has never had a brand strategy or tone of voice developed, mm. they very quickly can lose their way because things can get really messy because there have been no guidelines as to how things are done which is the same with like any business with anything else like when you don't have rules and then your company grows it's like people just do whatever they want and it's like the wild west totally so (laughs) yeah when they come to us yeah and that's also sometimes when I get nervous like when a client comes they've got a brand strategy actually and everything's is really like consistent and they're like we want you to work on this project I'm like oh my God, but you guys are so on top of your brand. Like, you know exactly how you speak. You know exactly how you look, Mm. the way you write, the way you do everything. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm stepping into shoes that are very hard to fill because you guys know what's up. And those are the strong brands. Like, if a client is challenging, I see. Mm. If a client is has a strong brand strategy that is very consistently executed across everything, Mm. that's like a challenging client for me and I love it. Do you think that as a copywriter, your clients will change? At the moment, you've got Sunday, for example. Um, that is a brand that you would personally use. Do you think that you mentioned you're getting married and we you'll probably eventually go into motherhood or we'll grow and our time will be spent using different products and all that? Do you think that you'll develop a different client list as you move through your life (laughs) yeah I mean like at the moment I'm so ready to make brands that I speak to but do you mm. reckon that as creatives we're our we can't write I mean do you think you'll write for Sunday forever or do you know what I mean yeah I mean I hope so love them um they're so fun to work with because I feel like our stimulus and our wants will change change completely I a lot of our a lot of my personal clients are food related Mm. which I don't know maybe that's a lot about me do you no, like I want these clients forever because firstly, free food, yum. But <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks, guys. Love you. Um, but no, they're really fun. Like the food brands are really fun. I think like I have, I've had a client who created like prenatal vitamins for, yeah, mums who are trying to conceive or who mm-hmm. are pregnant. And that is totally not where I'm at. Like I am not having kids. But I think, I think people decide to work with Naughty Nancy because of this is going to sound so like... I don't know, like millennial, because of the vibe. (laughs) Like if you have a certain energy, then those are the clients you attract. And I think that it's not necessarily because I'm like young that I've got a client like Sunday. Like I think I'm always going to write copy that's a bit fun, lighthearted, cheeky. Um, I don't think that's going to – Yes, Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to change. And yes, I think there'll be other clients who are maybe more like, you know, one day if I hopefully maybe have kids, Mm. they'd be more in like the motherhood space. But I find that the client's – like come to me because they like the energy and the types of clients that have been that we've worked with in the past yeah and I can't see myself straying from that but that being said we do have some clients that are not super exciting like mm. not everyone is really fun like you'll never hear me mention the clients that like they're a really easy client to work with but like they manufacture rapid antigen tests like that's a really good example like they are the easiest client ever I adore them, mm. but they're not like really sexy for me to mention. Yeah. Like, you <laughs> I know, feel the same way. yeah. And they even said that to me, like when they were giving me like these articles to write, they were like, we know this is not very exciting. And I was mm. like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know if things will change. I, that's a bad answer, but I don't know. Because I'm sort of pro- making projections at the moment for my own creative career. And I'm like, Am I clucky and wanting to go into homewares because <laughs> I really want to like and it's interesting when you put out to the universe what kind of clients you want because I definitely don't think I've graduated from your cotton ons and your things and mm-hmm. I was doing Scanlon Theodore and Vogue so and stuff cool. when I was like at 24 mm. but what I feel like creating now is changing. I'll yeah. still do my it's my job. I'll still do the work, but when we write our dream list that's changing a little bit because it's sort of my juju and what I want to surround myself with is different. Yeah, it's so interesting. I don't know. You call me in 10 years, I'll let you know. <laughs> we'll do it. Welcome I'll let back, you know yeah. if anything's changed. But yeah, I don't know. If I can just stick to the food industry mm. as much as I am at the moment, mm. I feel like I'll never get sick of that. Yeah. So yeah, also Lizzie, who owns Sunday, is older than me. Mm-hmm. And she's still loving her brand. So yeah. I'll still love writing for them. Personal branding. Do you mm. find that hard to yes. go from business 
and all that and then putting like Naughty Nancy is a fantastic website and you've done a really good job explaining who you guys are what you do and what that is did you find that challenging I hate it (laughs) (laughs) do you actually hate your own branding no, I don't have my own branding because I you didn't make it. it. The website's actually not even accurate with the branding at the moment and I'm just like <laughs> avoiding it because it, a personal branding makes me die inside. Right. I hate it. I have like crippling... As in your own personal brand. My own personal brand. Is that what you're asking, personal brand? I was going to go from business branding into personal, but yeah. I don't know if we should talk about you branding yourself or the theme of personal branding. I think they're kind of connected. No, I don't because I could definitely whip up a video introducing somebody and give them like a strategy on how they should present themselves. But the second I do it do for myself, yourself. I'm like... Yeah, yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. I think everyone struggles with, with with personal branding. Yeah. It is really hard to tell people why you are great or to like make your, put yourself on a pedestal because that's kind of what you're doing when you're branding yourself is you're like you are putting yourself out there and it is... Mm scary and we all have imposter syndrome like I've learned that I'm not the only person who has like crippling imposter syndrome all the time it's really hard to sell yourself or make yourself seem like you're really amazing I'm so glad we're not alone <laughs> no everyone everyone thinks that they suck like not actually that I think that I suck but like we all feel like we don't know what yeah. we're doing all the time and we all feel like we're not good enough like that is just what it is mm. um but I think as soon as you become comfortable with the fact that everyone else is as freaked out as you self-doubty and like full of ah yeah. Yeah. And as, as soon as you just go, okay, everyone feels like that, it's actually kind of okay. Yeah. And everyone does it. Like everyone puts themselves out there or will invest in their personal branding, especially if they're a creative or if they just like want to be on LinkedIn. <laughs> like <laughs> it's, it's important. It's important because otherwise how else are you going to succeed? Oh, I feel like now I just want to give you my my whole I have three businesses I want to give them all to you but I can't afford that that's a lot that's an investment it's yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what else to say Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it is but I so appreciate the value in it and I love it and I love you and I feel like we should be friends outside this recording I agree so where can people find you on Instagram Mm -hmm. naughty nancy full stop underscore because I couldn't just get normal naughty Nancy although I did DM the person who was naughty Nancy who seems to be an old woman oh she hasn't replied so firstly I hope she's okay but secondly can her grandchildren <laughs> please get her onto Instagram so she can give me her handle so yeah fair <laughs> naughty Nancy full stop underscore yeah. and website naughty nancy.com.au amazing people will email me and they'll be like hi Nancy yeah <laughs> and then I don't I like I'll sign off my Imagine. signature says Daniela <laughs> yeah I'll be like, thanks, Danny. And then they go, thanks, Nancy. And I'm like, oh, my God, I literally just wrote it. And then I don't correct them. And this happens more often than not. Like, people don't read properly. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so I'll, I'll, like, I won't say anything. And then, like, a month or two later, they'll be like, oh, my God, I just realised I've been calling you Nancy all along and you didn't correct me. And then I'm like, I should have corrected them. Imagine Why if your name every time? was Nancy, though, and then you called your business Naughty Nancy. Like, Naughty Danny. Yeah. <laughs> What are you doing in your Hi, free I'm time? I'm Danny from Naughty Danny. Yeah, Naughty Danny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I could never. I would be like, whoa, yeah. what do you do in your business? Yeah, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thanks it was really fun. Me. I know, I enjoyed it. I can't wait to be a friend now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you guys so much for joining us on today's episode of Process. Everything you need to know is in the show notes. If you love this episode, please share it with a friend, put it on your Instagram stories or leave a review. This is the eighth episode back into Process the Podcast and I need all the love that I can get. I'm pretty inspired by the rapid fire of what literal softwares and programs Danny use. So next week you're going to get a play-by-play of all the things that I use in Cinema Tom to create video from television commercials, right down to TikToks. I'll see you next Sunday.